block it out like my haters (laughs) 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 who all exist (laughs) in my mind yeah my mind is the hater oh it's deep i know my mind is the hater Oh, that's my memoir. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to this next episode of The Critical Millennial. My name is Kyle Cry, and I am joined, as always, by Alex Holtz. Hello. And uh, today we are not doing a deep dive. Alex won't be climbing upon his hot seat. Not today. And this was going to be a very long, unpopular opinion. Yeah. But it has turned into this very, I think, potentially important uh, discussion about sex versus violence in cinema. Uh, and we're going to talk more about that, but also we're going to talk quickly about two films that we've seen, uh, that are still in theaters Mm -hmm. that I think, that I think we would both say you should probably consider go seeing to go Mm -hmm. and see. Um, so before we jump all the way into all of that, be sure to go over to Twitter and follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Just search for The Critical Millennial and look for that purple and gold X because that marks the spots, my dear little crits, of the Critical Millennial. So hold on tight to your butts because it's going to get, it's going to get weird. It's going to get weird. (laughs) It's going to get weird. Here we (laughs) go. Oh my gosh, the critical millennial. Alex, why don't you go ahead and tell us about the movie that you saw? Was it yesterday? I saw it yesterday, actually, yeah. All right, what'd you see? It's Jojo Rabbit. Oh, I want to see it so bad. Uh, It's this movie was both heartwarming and heartbreaking. And I loved every minute of it, if I'm going to be completely honest (laughs) with you. (laughs) So if you don't know what it is, it's just about a little boy who grows up in Nazi Germany, and he's basically infatuated with Nazism, and he's infatuated with Hitler and thinks he's, like, the best. Oh. And so he goes to, like, a little Nazi training camp for kids, and he learns what it looks like to be a Nazi, but he's also taught what what it looks like to not be a Nazi after he meets a Jew. So, and that's all I'll say. That's all I'll say, because it's honestly super good. This movie is... An anti-hate satire. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. So it's like every so it's all about like he's growing up in Nazi Germany and he loves Nazism, but it's basically a big joke about it, and they mm-hmm. kind of just make fun of all of what yeah, Nazism so it's stands just for. Satire. It really is, mm-hmm. and so like people were a little worried if like this was gonna like glorify Nazis or make them like funny or like make them cool, mm-hmm. but it really doesn't. Mm-hmm. Like if Hitler watched their portrait, Taika Waititi's portrayal of Hitler in this movie, he would have had this. Movie burned at the stake, and he probably would have had Taika killed. So, because it's hilarious, you like <laughs> laugh at Hitler because he's just so dumb. Yeah, and it's awesome. But the biggest thing I love about this movie is it's all about love, mm. and what love and that love defeats what hate is. Mm-hmm. And JoJo learns this mostly from his mom, played by Scarlett Johansson, which this is by far her best performance in anything. I think that she was incredible in this movie, mm-hmm. and. The whole point of this movie, and I, I don't want to say too much, but the whole point of this movie is that everybody has a heart. Whether yeah. you're a Nazi or a Jew or whoever you are, mm-hmm. everybody can make mistakes and hearts can be changed. Everybody has those days. Yeah, everybody has those days. <laughs> Thanks, Miley. Hi, Anna. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and I just, and I loved it. Like, I cried during this movie. Mm-hmm. I laughed a ton. And just the whole message of the fact that in this world that is, even today, it's so relatable for today that in this world, 
of hate and just um, frustration and uh, opinions that just like incite anger and just people just want to be angry. Love is ultimately is what is going to like push past all that. And we can let the world fill our minds with what hate looks like and what frustration looks like. Mm -hmm. But if we take time to investigate true love, what real love is, and this movie would say what one thing is true, what that is true love. But I think both Kyle and I, well, I know both Kyle and I would say that Christ is true love. Mm -hmm. That is what will overcome hate. And it's so good. I don't want to say anything else because I really want people to go see this movie. Yeah, I'm going to have, I'm definitely going to check this one out. And, Taika, his his writing uh, is awesome. He is great. So Thor yeah. Ragnarok, it was awesome. He uh-huh. was so good with that. What we do in the shadows. What we do in the shadows. He's mm-hmm. so good with that. This movie is great. And even his portrayal of Hitler, like, you don't want to laugh at Hitler and you almost feel a little uncomfortable about it. But he's just so funny. Mm-hmm. And it's the reason is because Hitler is in JoJo's mind the whole time. Yeah. So it, it's JoJo, a child, his... Image of the perfect man yeah. who he wants to be, okay. and it's just hilarious because he eventually has to overcome that mm-hmm. idea of who the perfect man is, being Hitler. Wow. And let me just—I'm going to say one thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Learn how to tie your shoes, because that's that's how you're going to learn about the real world. That's all I'll say. Oh, oh that's all I'm going to no. say. So okay. go see this movie. Wait, I guess I should stop buying Velcro. Then. Yeah, probably. That's oh, probably shoot. a good idea. All right. Well, my orthopedic shoes. I'm have to toss them out. After this. <laughs> Kyle. What was the movie that you just saw recently? Uh, the movie I saw recently that has not escaped my mind. Well, I saw two movies. I saw Zombieland Double Tap. Well, yeah, yeah. But, yeah like, but the one hasn't escaped in your mind, mind, right? It hasn't. <laughs> <laughs> but just because it's so silly. Right. Um, and Zoe Doich, that movie is great. I'm so, I'm so excited to see, oh, it. Go see it. But um, no, the movie I want to talk about yeah. is The Lighthouse. Yes. The Lighthouse starring just Robert Pattinson and Willem Dafoe. It's about two lighthouse keepers and. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're just taking care of a lighthouse. And it's shot by the guy who... Directed and written by the guy who made uh, The Vivitch. Or The, the Vivitch. <laughs> Spooky. <laughs> Spooky. Uh, this movie's kind of terrifying in some, in some aspects. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's all in black and white, it's right? all in black and white. The screen is made much smaller. like So, like, it's shot like an old-timey film. That's awesome. But, like, obviously with... with it looks, obviously, like... Right. Like, t- 2019. Yeah. And there's... You know, words they talk and stuff, but there's not a whole ton of dialogue. Yeah. Um, but this movie, I have not quite been able to f- crack it. Really? Just yet. Dang. I the, think the magnificent Kyle. There are been parts. Able to crack there it. are parts of it where, because like Robert Pattinson plays a, a young guy who's escaping something from his past. Right. And and Willem Dafoe just plays an old grumpy lighthouse keeper. So he played Willem Dafoe then. He played Willem Dafoe. <laughs> yeah, he played himself. Um, but like Robert Pattinson's character like has to take care of everything while Willem Dafoe's character is the one that takes care of the light in the lighthouse and Robert Pattinson's character is not allowed up there. Interesting. Um, and so in my brain there was like as I was thinking about it it kind of reminded me in some aspects of like an unredeemed person's image of God huh. and how like well God can be up there and God does all these things and God sees these things that he's not he tells us we can or can't do because in the end when Robert goes and he, something happens to Robert Pattinson's right. character. He gets up in the lighthouse and something happens to him. Interesting. So like there and like there's animosity from Robert Pattinson towards Willem Dafoe and yeah. like there's all these things. So like there's some of that aspect in there. Yeah. But like Robert Pattinson gives the best one of the best performances I've ever seen an actor give. Really? He genuinely gives 
every single human emotion throughout the less than two hour runtime. Really? And it's masterwork. So he's come a long way from Edward Cullen. From Edward Cullen. So is Kristen Stewart from oh, Twilight as well. They've both <laughs> yeah. severely grown as actors. <laughs> Robert Pattinson more than Kristen Stewart, I, in my opinion. Yeah. But that's the point of, like, this film is just so, so cool. and wow. And, like, it's just... At, and at points, their performances are so good that you forget you're watching a movie. That's, that's a good movie, then. And, like, yeah. it's just this weird psychological delve into a man trying to escape life but lose his mind along the way. That's crazy. And it's so, so good. But it's not for everyone. It's definitely not for it's everyone. It's very A24. It's very A24, and it's very, as we've discussed, a very Kyle film. <laughs> it, but it's not, it's not a me film like Vox Lux is, where Vox Lux kind of like has its nose up at society sometimes. Right. This one has its like face in the dirt and is like trying to figure out life and the human spectrum of, of emotion and, psycholo- and psych- psychology. That's the kind of Kyle film that I like. <laughs> you liked Vox Lux. I did like Vox Lux. Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> um, but so, like, if you if you want a film that is a challenge to watch, not a challenge to watch is in much. It's like hard to watch because there's a lot. Of, it's graphic or there's right. graphic sex or violence. Yeah, there is like there is some nudity in the film, but yeah. and we'll talk about that. Right. Um, the idea of nudity in film, but it's never portrayed as grotesque or anything like that it's a hard film to watch in so much as like first off it's in black and white we're not used to that as a society the screen it's physically hard to watch in so much as the screen is also smaller yeah and so like you're watching this and you're just like what the heck it's hard it was hard for me to adjust my 2019 mind to watching a film that way Um, but i could not imagine that film in color that's it would have weakened i think the story that was trying to be told that's really cool um so that's that's the lighthouse if you want a film to challenge you yeah. and um but also to be entertained by yeah. not amused by mm. you'll definitely I think see both of these films first yeah. of all but if you just want a film to challenge you and to open up your mind as to how people can experience emotion yeah and express emotions go see the lighthouse interesting in theaters now probably for not much longer yeah yeah um so yeah, that is The Lighthouse starring Robert Pattinson and Willem Dafoe. There's another movie that might challenge your uh, your thought process that mm-hmm. came out on uh, Blu-ray this week. Yeah, yeah. Hobbs and Shaw. Shut up. <laughs> I can't wait to watch it. We're No, we're watching that together. Yep, yep. And I'm going to destroy it. <laughs> it, Alex. You ruined a moment, man. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, you're not. I'm not. No. Oh. Okay, so with there not being any sort of deep dive to discuss today, we've decided to talk about something that has personally been on my mind for quite some time. Mm. And it's kind of what I've been deciphering and in it at this moment and calling a Christian double standard Mm. uh, as it pertains to viewing sex and sexuality versus violence as it pertains to, like, movies and television and like entertainment yeah um, but before we get into the discussion i want i want it to be clear that alex and i are not going to advocate for either direction yeah we're not going to say like oh yeah just go watch naked people do naked things and we're not gonna say like don't watch anything and then we're not gonna also say just go watch people's heads get chopped off mm-hmm. you right know? right um 
But we, we've done as much research, I think, as we could possibly do yeah. um, with the allotment of our lives. And also been finding that our findings for this topic are extremely limited. Yeah. Um, and what I mean by limited is that men and women who are much wiser and smarter than us in both theology and the Christian life haven't really written anything down. They haven't been quoted as much as having a stance either way on the outlook of this topic. Because in my research on this very notion of Christians engaging with sexual content, it didn't seem to come alive until Game of Thrones took over the internet. Mm. Um, and every article was just about whether or not Christians should watch Game of Thrones. And it only spoke about the show's sexuality and explicit nature that way, but not the explicit violence that's in the show. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, the explicit violence that took place within the boundaries of the fictional world of Westeros. Right. So... That, as well as general opinion from, I think, people we've talked to has led us to believe that there could possibly be a Christian double standard, again, as it pertains to sex versus violence in cinema. Um, meaning, when I say that, I mean meaning that, for the most part, Christians will be okay viewing any amount of violence, but any sexuality in nature, uh, there's deep hesitancy. And I'm not saying that's a good deep hesitancy yeah. or a bad one. I'm just saying that, it, that from my perspective, it, it could be there. Right. Um... So, Alex, let's start this conversation here. I just want to ask you the question, like, do you see that? Am I alone in this? Like, do you see that double standard? What's your quick just take on that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, from a personal standpoint, I think that a double standard could be had here um, in the sense that nudity is, like, something that's not been uh, out of art for uh it's it's never been not a part of art. Like if you mm -hmm. look, at, if you go to an art museum, you will see nudity. There will be whether paintings or photographs of it too, mm -hmm. or statues, or statues, whatever, whatever it is. So there has always been nudity in artwork. But and I think that film is a part piece of art, and yeah. I think I should make that clear because I don't think everybody would agree with that. Correct. Um, I don't think they would. Yeah, but I really think it is. And that with that being said, the church I don't think has had done an amazing job of addressing nudity or sex in um in art pers specifically in film or tv and there's also been not a lot of discussion as well when it comes to what violence looks like in art whether that is paintings or um, photographs or film mm -hmm. or even in to a degree even in real life too there hasn't been a lot of discussion of what that looks like um, so that being said, I think that a double we standard, should, we should say the church in the West church in the West. Yeah. Sorry. Like we, I, yeah. We haven't like you, you and I have both gone overseas, uh, <laughs> multiple times, yep. but not enough to say church globally. Right. But we have experienced, you know, born and raised in the United States and yes. both raised in church. So I think we can speak from a, from our POV of Western church. I was going to say, I think more of a Western church uh, mindset, but that being said, I think that there is a double standard to be had here mm. so but yeah when i was doing research though like you were saying i could not come up with much in yeah. regards to this mm -hmm. i don't know what you found or where, where kind of like your investigation led you my investigation mostly just dug up either blogs or articles written by people who are just angry yeah. and not not engaging deeply or critically into something they just kind of throwing scripture at things and saying what they want to say. Yeah. And they're, they're not like certified. They're not pastors. They're not doctors. They're not, they're just people. Right. Or it was just hot button game of Thrones stuff, mm. which there is clout to. Interesting. And I think started this conversation, 
but it's seemingly all I could find and all that exists. But yeah. you had access to a database of things. Right. Did you find anything in the database that you had? I struggled. I'm not going to lie. Um, the o- Of value, the only thing that I could really find that was um, interesting in regards to what nudity specifically in film mm-hmm. looked like was in or was something that Jessica Chastain actually said. Oh, yeah, that's strange. Yeah, and she <laughs> she actually, which is strange, and she actually advocated for less mm-hmm. nudity in films because of the way that it objectifies women, and obviously that's coming from a worldly standard, and that's ha- that's kind of her um, evidence or background to her. No, her that's point. that's. I think she Jessica Chastain tends to jump on bandwagons without fully realizing what she's doing. Right, but in this one, she she. Jumped on the bandwagon because the actors and actresses in Game of Thrones, around I think it was around like season three, oh interesting, somewhere in there, started saying, "Okay, can we put our clothes on?" Interesting, like we're done. Yeah, um, I didn't know that. Yeah, no, that started happening with with that show at least specifically. I can't speak to every show, right? But on that show, the the actresses started saying, "No, I'm sorry, like we're putting our clothes on. We're done doing this." And the actors who, the men in the show who from what I've heard, normally just we're clothed. Right. Like, we're advocating for that as well. Like, we want our female co-stars to put their clothes on. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. Which is, uh, there's, that's good. Yeah. Like, I'm I am completely on board with that. Yeah, I think. <laughs> 100%. That's yeah. awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but that being said, kind of moving into, like, what my investigation, mm-hmm. I kind of ended up coming away with more questions than answers. Mm. Yeah. And one of my big ones is, why do we get more offended by nudity in film, but not the same amount of offense, offense with violence? And you brought that up, obviously. And I, my big question that came out of that was, does it have to do with our sin struggle, specifically with sex or lust or whatever, whatever it is? Mm-hmm. Is that where it goes? Mm-hmm. And I think for a lot of people, there is a fear that that's where it goes. Mm-hmm. And I will say, like for me, I, when there's sex on screen, whether they show nudity or not, I I have to really be careful. Like I I that's a personal sin struggle that I've struggled with before, mm-hmm. and not so much now as I did when it, when I was like in high school and like yeah. maybe earlier college mm-hmm. years. But as I started to grow, it's my heart has been changed um, for the better for Christ. More see, so. and I'm on a very different side of that. Yeah. So it's like I yeah. see nudity or sex in a film, and like it's not that I'm not affected by it. Right. I have always looked at it as like, okay, well, like, why are they doing that? Why have they chosen to do that? Mm. And I'm not necessarily focusing in on their bodies or like what portions of skin I can see. I've always found myself drawn to their faces and the reasons as to why they've chosen to do what they do. Yeah. Now, what I have to be careful of is is great acts of violence in cinema. Mm. Whereas like I saw Zombieland double tap and it's zombies. It's just zombies running around. They're running around shooting zombies. Like it's... It's played for laughs. It's not played for emotional effect. Yeah. And so, like, I can watch stuff like that and be fine. Right. But when I watch movies about, like, the end of the world or, like, apocalyptic ones, like like 2012 right. or The Day After Tomorrow, mm. and I just see, like, tsunamis taking out cities and buildings being destroyed, knowing that there's, like, hundreds of people in that building that are now dead, like, that, for me, invokes great temptations to despair. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And for me, when I'm watching like war movies, like like uh, Dunkirk or this new mm. film, every time I see a, a a trailer for Midway that's yep. about to come out, like I just get such deep despair because I'm like, real people died. Yeah. In those in those situations, 
And now we're turning those into entertainment. Right. Like real people's deaths. Yeah. Now, do you think that there is a, a distinction with something like John Wick where it's like he kills like hundreds of people like throughout the movie and that's purely for entertainment's sake and like admit like there's a discussion to be had there like of that it's mm-hmm. supposed to be fun but that's like I think that could be a whole other discussion yeah, yeah. but there's also like movies like Hacksaw Ridge where the main character is advocating for not killing people but rather saving lives but all around him people are being eviscerated but do you think that there has the point of that is to hold weight rather than John Wick where it's like you're just killing people and it's supposed to be fun and it's supposed to be an enjoyable ride and then or it's with films like Hacksaw Ridge or like with Joker where the killings are sparingly and when somebody gets killed it holds weight like it's not mm-hmm. you're not just blowing you're not just shooting a guy's head you're, uh, you're shooting somebody and that's going to have lasting effects mm-hmm. do you think that there's a distinction between those two and I I think so potentially mm-hmm. but also like but that still begs the question then but is that something that we should still yeah. do? Yeah. Whereas, you know, films like, like, um, shoot, I just lost the film in my brain, but like, um, there's a, there's a movie called, called Shame. Okay. Um, that I've heard about, I have not seen, but Michael Fassbender just plays a sex addict. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard and, about that. And like, I've read about this film, I've never seen it, but I've read people like delve into the depths of the psychology of the man who's addicted to sex and pornography and what it's done to him. Mm. But along the way, like, you see him fully nude, and you see him, and you see women fully nude. Mm. But it's used sparingly. Right. For for that same effect that Joker used killings, mm. that, that Hacksaw Ridge would use death. Yeah. Is, but Christians would say, no, I can't watch that one, but they would put on Hacksaw Ridge, no problem, because the main character says that he has faith. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even though people around him are being just destroyed. Yeah, yeah. And... That, I mean that's great. Mm-hmm. I'm that's good. And like uh, I think I want to I want to make it clear. I didn't make this clear earlier that I'm asking these questions not to like try to like trip Kyle up or anything like that. But I'm genuinely in- curious and I want to have a discussion right. about this. And I think part of part of an answer to your question is that we live in post nine eleven America, mm. and so that we were I was six years old when that happened. Yeah. We were probably like four or five. Yep. And so like that's crazy to think. That's weird. But like. The fact that we can turn on the news and violence is spoken of and shown and talked about every single day since we were young. Yeah. But sex and nudity has not been. Yeah. So you can turn on CNN, you can turn on Fox, you can turn on MSNBC, yeah. you can turn on any sort of news station yeah. and hear about violence across the globe. Mm. But you won't hear about sex across the globe from the news media. Yeah. You'll hear about it in fiction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so that begs the question of like, have we been desensitized to violence, but not sex? Ooh, interesting. Yeah. Because a lot of people, from what I've talked to, from what I've been able to read, speak the other way. If we've been desensitized to sex and nudity. Yeah. But I'm sitting here on the opposite side saying, but look at what we're watching. Right. Like, look at the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's just full of violence. Yes, it's PG-13. Right. And it's comic book violence. And no one's... I shouldn't say no one's really dead. People die in right. the Marvel Universe. But still, yeah. like, we'll take our six and seven-year-olds to watch those. And they're watching people get punched and cut and shot. and Right. Yeah. And then I, to follow up that question, because I want to answer both of, both of these. But, mm-hmm. like, so if the, in regards to that, what would come first then? Would our, would our sensitization... What's the word? Desensitization. De- Desensitization. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Yeah, there we go. Thank you. Um... Would that come first, or would our 
should, what should take priority? Or how, how sensitized we are to these things or the struggle that we have with, like, to sin in regards to seeing these things, you know? Like, should we be viewing these things too? I guess is kind of my end-all, be-all question mm-hmm. of, of that. I think we'll get... Th- I think... Right. I think the attempt for today is to maybe get there, but also, like, people, we're not... Oh, no, no, no. We're not experts. Yeah. Um, we're just people asking these questions, and we're, I think, brave enough in following those, the spirits leading into at least putting these questions right. out there. And, like, my asking of that question is, like, I don't expect us to have an answer, but, like, that's, like, that's what I want to know, mm-hmm. you know? Because it, in my research in these things, in my praying and searching scriptures, like, there were three questions that I find myself running into continually. Yeah, they were, like... Uh, as it pertains to um, sex and sexuality versus violence, like in in this potential Christian double standard, is does it exist because violence is not easier to fake than nudity, but more likely to be mm. fake? Is it because the Western Church has done a poor job of teaching people and educating its congregations on sex and sexuality? Because mm. we've all been there when a pastor wants to t- use the word sex, and he'll just be like, oh, "I'm going to say it," or like, right. "Sex," and then like a brush right past it. It's not a dirty word, people. Yeah. Um, or or the, the final question I kept asking myself is like, did I just miss the boat on something scripture's clearly clear about? Right. And and has no one just come alongside of me to help me see this? Yeah. You know? Um, and, and I felt like that was a fair question to ask of myself because, you know, if you're the only one saying something, odds are you're probably wrong or misguided or just mm. missing a piece of information. Yeah. Sometimes. I wouldn't say that's a blanket statement for everything. So I, I kind of want to address those questions. Yeah, let's a do bit. it. Yeah. The first one, like, um, in a desiring, the first one being um, violence is more likely to be fake than nudity. Uh, that question came from when I was reading a Desiring God article where John Piper just said, well, violence can be faked and nudity can't. And I'm not saying Piper's not a wise man because he is. He yes. knows his Bible super well. He's a great man to listen to and to read and to sit under the tutelage of. Yeah. But. He's not factually correct. He's misguided in this. The mm. statement is made out of some slight ignorance of the industry. Gotcha. In so much as that there is an entire like subculture in the entertainment industry in costume designing that creates fake like genitals for actors mm. or fake um, patches of hair for for actors. Yeah. Um, so like wigs for certain regions of the body or CGI has been used to replace actors' faces, to replace like body parts of actors so that it's actually just fake what you're looking at. Right. And so like and so while those instances of actors choosing that to use such fabrication is less often than than the actor just revealing their body because it's easier, it costs the studio less money, yeah. whatever, it's still an option that's there. Yeah. And so, like, so when we're looking at something that is fake, like those things, like those wigs for certain regions of the body, it's just then as fake as watching someone get shot. Right. Yeah. And so, like, I think that's a misnomer that nudity in film and television can't be faked. Hmm. Because it can be. Yeah. It very easily can be. Yeah. And I guess when when I hear that, I just fail to see the... To see the the line there that's being drawn in the sense of, like, uh, fake or not, like, what makes either of them okay. Right. I guess, I guess I'd fail to see the understanding of the argument the argument there, or like, the what the point that is trying to be made. Mm-hmm. Because, like, I don't know. I, I just, I hear it, and I'm like, if fake or real, like, if you struggle with that, especially 
like the sin discussion, which I would like to, I'm going to bring up in a little bit, but like fake or real, you're still going to struggle with that mm-hmm. sin either way. Yeah. And that was, and that's like, that, that led to my next question Yeah. Um, in this, not my next question that I mentioned, right. but like just because it's fake, does, does that mean that we as believers are spiritually in the clear upon viewing it? Right. Cause then the same goes for nudity and sex then. Well, just because it's faked, does it give us permission to see it? Because Nine and a half times out of ten, the actors that have sex in a movie, they're not actually having sex, people. Right, yeah. So, like, they're faking it. Yeah. So, can we then watch it? Is that okay? Because they're faking it. The violence we watch. Star Wars. Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Um, you know, Star Trek. The MCU. The DCEU. All of those things fake their violence. Yeah, yeah. So, it, so then, if it's okay for us to watch fake violence, why is it not okay, then, for us to watch fake Sex or sexuality. Yeah. Like, and I'm not saying that isn't like, I want to watch them. Right. I'm saying this is like, we got to address this. Yeah. As mm-hmm. a critical research question, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. what, what, yeah, yeah, I agree. So then, but then my next question, I want to, I want to hear like your take on, okay. um, the Western church, the church in this, we kind of address this a little bit. A little bit. Let's go into let's, it a yeah. little deeper because let's talk, like my experience in youth group was no one talked about sex. Right. No one talked about, even when I was in junior high going through puberty, no one biblically engaged me on what was happening with my body. Right. It wasn't until I got into grad school Mm. that when I had to take a class for my degree on human sexuality, that one of my female professors led us, both men and women, singles, married, engaged, on a study through Song of Solomon. Yeah. That was one of the first times anyone biblically and critically and Christianly engaged me in the conversation on sex and sexuality. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think growing up for me, in youth group, I was blessed to have good good pastors that were able to kind of bring this topic up. Um, it didn't really happen until my later years, mm-hmm. but once it was brought up, it was there was sufficient discussion. Yeah. and. I just got married recently, um, so I went through marriage counseling, and I met up with a pastor. We met up with a pastor every week, and we talked about sex, and it was helpful, mm-hmm. healthy discussion. Um, and I'm part of a church now that it, it gets brought up pretty regularly, which is a blessing in and of itself as well, because I think of friends that I had at, in college that if you brought up sex, like, their face got red yeah. and like all of a yeah. sudden like they wanted to run out of the room kind of thing because that mm-hmm. word has become a taboo thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think that there has been a really great sufficient uh, understanding or discussion of sex that the Bible has given us. Um, I mean, sorry, that pastors have given us, but the Bible gives us a good discussion right. of it. Mm-hmm. And I think the Bible brings up sex so much that it deserves to be talked about. Mm-hmm. Not so much more as um, other different aspects of life, but it still brings it up to a point that we should be talking about yeah. it. You know? And often when I just hear like sermons or, or talks on sex, it's it's just in the confines of marriage, which I'm not saying sex should be had outside of the, right. outside of marriage. I'm just saying they always talk about the marriage bed and that having sex outside of marriage is wrong. Right. Okay. Oh, yeah, I get that. Right. But, like, what is sex? Not in terms of the act of it, because I'm 25 years old, like, I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in so much as, like, what does it mean to be a sexual person? Like, what is my sexuality, then, according to the Bible? And these are the things I've gone into and studied, had to do that on my own. Yeah. 
Um, had to delve to great lengths to do that on my own and find books that are written about it. But as far as the church guiding me and teaching me those things, how it happened. Right. Yeah. And I think kind of with this, Kyle and I talked about this a little bit earlier, but like with the the mindset that is like with a, either a millennial or postmodern mindset that we have, it ends up, what ends up happening is like we want to make right and make true what we want to be true right. because that is what's sufficient for us. Mm-hmm. And like, so we need to have, we, the church, people in the church, whatever, whatever it is, they need to have a discussion on what is true, what is right. And, what is correct in terms of sex. And I don't think that, at least from my experience and from experiences of talking right, to right. others, that that topic has been sufficiently addressed. And I'm, and I'm not advocating for, like, let's go into the two- and three-year-old classroom and, oh my the, gosh, and no. the, like, the fourth- and fifth-grade classrooms and, and Sunday school and talk to them about sex. Yeah, no way. I'm saying, like, all right, well, you know, you've entered junior high. Like, you're, you're, bot- you're going through puberty. All yeah. right, let's, let's talk about this with you. Right. You know, let's tell your parents and in, in, in that... You know, you're you're gonna, your children are gonna come home with questions because we're gonna talk to them about this. Yeah, and and you know, high schoolers. All right, odds are statistically, some of those kids in our youth groups are gonna have sex. Yep. So let's tell them and and engage them on what the biblical confines of sex are, but also the biblical definitions of sex, sexuality, yep. gender, all of that stuff. Right. Because that plays into into this conversation. But then I also get a lot of young adults still asking me questions. Right, which is which is I think attests to the the point that we're trying to make about mm-hmm. the how much it's talked about. Right, and I, the thing that just bothers me, I keep saying it over and over again, is that the Bible talks about mm-hmm. this like it's an entire book. <laughs> yeah, there's an entire book in the Bible about it, and mm-hmm. it, yet we're not talking about it. And the thing is, I'm sorry, but we can't trust people, if you have a healthy view of your humanity, you can't trust people to go and read the Bible by themselves because we're sinners and we're most likely going to choose other things outside of the Bible. That's why we have the church. That's why we have the position to talk about it. Yeah. But like on that, on that flip side then, like I don't hear violence talked about either. And like there's genocide in the Old Testament. Oh, big time. Granted, it's God who's the one who's saying, do this, this has to happen. These people, you know, the book of Joshua and Kings and Judges, it's all there. And yeah. the violence is there. And there's violence in the New Testament in so much as really the cross and, and the martyrdom of, of believers and disciples. And, you know, and we see Paul being converted um, from being a perpetrator of violence. Yeah. So, like, scripture is also full of violence. Yeah. But we don't necessarily talk about the violence. Yeah. We just kind of brush past it, whereas unbelievers, when I hear them talk about the Bible, they're like, well, it's full of, like, rivers of blood and the vengeance of God. Right, and like, yeah. And, like, but as believers, we tend to just focus in on, like, yeah, God's just and, like, God is wrathful. But, like, for us, God is nice and he is our father. And, like, okay, cool, but he's also those things. So, like, yeah. what does that mean for him to be those things? Because he's both the creator of sex and the destroyer of people who... who do- right. Oppose him. Yeah. And that, as we're talking, I didn't have this written down for my research, but as we're talking, like, I wonder if there is something about, like, just our our desire to see justice. Yeah. And, like, that's why we're okay with watching movies like John Wick, where John kills 150 people in one movie. Because they're bad guys. Single-handedly, <laughs> right. Because they're the bad guys. And, like, Galatians 5 talks about how... Mm-hmm. If you walk in the spirit, you won't gratify the desires of the flesh, flesh. but the desires of the flesh are probably that justice, you know, because we're built by God. We're built um, 
in the image of God, and I think part of that image is that we want to see justice, but where is the justice coming from? I wonder if that's why. I wonder if that's part of it. I don't know. This isn't part know. of my research. I don't know either. I just, it's just happened to be my but head. But it's a good question because yeah. so often we want people who we disagree with to come to justice. Yeah, yeah. Whether it's something simple or whether it's something big, we want them, we want retribution. Mm. Which is why Joker makes people so uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Because oh, yeah. cause it reveals what we all want. Interesting, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, this it, is... and it scares the people who control us. Yeah. This is interesting. This is completely off of my notes, but yeah. <laughs> we always go off of yeah. notes. We never stay on that. But then I guess I want to like delve into this, my last question, mm-hmm. and this will take us directly into scripture. Cool. Um, but is scripture clear on something that I might have missed the boat on? Yeah. Interesting. Because, and I'm not, I don't want to shift blame. Like I can always search scripture myself. Oh yeah. But like need to be discipled as right. well. I think scripture is clear on that. Yeah. But is, is it because it wasn't until I was really in grad school that this side of scripture started being revealed to me. Mm. Interesting. Because when I was young and growing in the faith from, you know, freshman in high school, I went from being a freshman in high school, just saved, to then three years later, you're in Bible school now. Yeah. And not being discipled through those three years, then getting to Bible school with my knowledge of what Christians are like. Yeah. Being some, and when it comes to sex, just being, don't have it before you're married. Hmm. That's it. That was it. Yeah. Don't have it before you're married. Hmm. Interesting. And I had thousands of questions. And I still right. have thousands of questions because I always have thousands of questions. <laughs> <laughs> but is there something that scripture is just so clear on that I potentially missed the boat? Interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, let's hear what you have. You have verses? I mean, there's, there's obviously all of like first Corinthians yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> is just about this topic. Right. I and have some of that too. Yeah. yeah. And there's uh, let me pull it up here. I have it all written down in some notes here. Like, um, the first thing I noticed though was like first Corinthians seven yeah. <laughs> chapter seven, where it's just like husbands give your wife her conjugal rights. And likewise wife to her husband. For, like, you don't own your body, right. your husband and your wife. You own each other's body. And yeah. I was like, okay, all right, all right, okay, cool. Like, yep, that's marriage. I'm not married, single dude. What, <laughs> what am I supposed to do with that? Right. Um, and then I just kept reading in First Corinthians over and over again, like, fleeing from sexual immorality. Because every other sin a person commits, this is First Corinthians 6.18, a person commits is outside of the body, but sexual immorality, a person sins against his own body. Yeah. And that's, like... I think from my knowledge of scripture right now, that is like the only sin that we commit that is directly against ourselves. Mm, interesting. But still involves people. In people. Right. Every sin is, I believe, I'm learning to believe is still communal. All yeah. sin is communal sin. Yeah. Because it directly, my sin would directly affect you in, That's in our the relationship. point of the church and the body. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but then in 1 Corinthians 7 verse 2, right before he, right before Paul starts saying about the husband and wife giving each other their rights, yep. he says, but because of the temptation of sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. Yeah. And so like, obviously this is an indictment against, um, polyamorous relationships. This is an indictment against having sex before marriage with mm-hmm. multiple partners, men having sex with men, women having sex with women, like an indictment against that. Um, and then like, I was just struck with, um. Philippians 4, the first eight verses where where Paul ends that section of scripture with, you know, whatever is true, honorable, just, uh, pure, lovely, like think on those things, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. But before that, he says, um, he talks about 
rejoice in the Lord always, and let your reasonableness um, be known, and that the Lord, to everyone, because the Lord is at hand, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything in prayer and supplication, and with thanksgiving, let your quest be known to God, and the peace of God surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts yeah. and your minds. Right against such things. Yeah. And then he says, so whatever is pure, in order to do that, think about what's pure, lovely, honorable, just, right. noble, think on those things. And so I was thinking through that and praying through that and realizing like, so the way that we protect our hearts is by focusing on God because God is pure, God is just, God is noble, God is what is lovely. Yeah. And God's design for everything is the most lovely. Mm. And so as I started thinking about this with sexuality and violence, God designed sexuality. I don't know if God designed violence. Mm. That was not in his original plan. I, yeah, violence I could see that. was not. But God was the first perpetrator of violence mm. in that he, like, of physical violence. Yeah. In that he slaughtered a lamb for clothes for Adam and Eve. Right. And so, like... Interesting. Yeah. And that's not me... I hope that doesn't come across as me being heretical and be like, God perpetrated... But like right, we right. see throughout, as I said, we've seen throughout the Old Testament, God yeah, yeah. commanding Israel yeah. to kill those who are against him. Right. And to commit genocide. Yeah. But it's just, and it's justified because it's God doing it. And then we know, if we, mm -hmm. if we have a healthy, good view of God, we understand that in his goodness right. and his righteousness, mm -hmm. that, that decision was made because right. he knew what was right. Yeah. Yeah. And so like I'm struck by all of these these different ways of viewing this and then and then also knowing that um the song, book Song of Solomon exists but that's for marriage that right. is about a man white writing about and to his bride. Right. But then uh a look a tiny little verse at the end of First Thessalonians got me. Nice. Yep. And, um and it just Paul is just like, abstain from every form of evil. Yeah. And so, as I think about my heart and guarding my heart and being at peace in my heart and my mind with God and with loveliness and what's pure, my mind did not go to, like, yes, I need to flee from sexual immorality, but, like, my temptation, as I've talked about, has always been more leaning towards the temptation to despair. Yeah. And I relate more to those psalms where David's like, God, you are far from me. Where have you gone? Right. And that's, for me, always comes in the form of when I watch violence being perpetrated. Yes. Not when I watch or have seen characters in a movie engage in sexual activity. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that I'm going to keep going with that conversation. As I read God's Word and as I do research into theologies and systematic theology and stuff, I start to learn what a healthy view of humanity is mm -hmm. and of our own hum human heart. Um, Jeremiah seventeen nine says, The heart is deceitful above mm -hmm. all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Mm -hmm. Like, it's deceitful above all things and it's desperately sick. That mm -hmm. puts our heart, that should make, elevate ourselves. We elevate ourselves so high this verse should put us so low because mm -hmm. we cannot distinguish what is right and what yeah. is wrong. Mm -hmm. But that's why we need to filter these things through God's word. So if if your heart is being tempted to sin because of sex, whereas that is where my struggle mm -hmm. is at, um, it was at worse in, years ago and it's been getting better. But I, if I see something like that on screen, I know where my heart's going to go. And I'm going to constantly deceive myself and tell myself it's okay. 
Romans 6, therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in its lust and do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness. For sin shall not have dominion over you for you're not under the law, but under grace. Mm-hmm. And I think that making sure that what we are viewing, what we are taking is going to let our instruments be of righteousness. Um, and we will deceive ourselves. And I, Kyle and I both love film. We both love like other forms of like uh, media and in taking things. But is it for us? What is worth it? You know. Right. And like for me, if it, there's sex on screen and it's either on the verge of causing me to sin or I know it's going to cause me to sin, mm-hmm. is it worth it to sit through that and watch it? I have to ask myself that. Like question. yeah, like I throw back to our first podcast when we talked about Midsummer. Yep. And like. We were both horrified by the pornography we saw on screen, right. and like you looked away. I had my shot and like, for, yeah. And I'm sitting there thinking, like, what caused the director to make this? Yeah. I wasn't even focusing on what I was watching on screen. I was right. like, what caused the director to do this? Yeah. What caused the characters in their mind to to be in the positions they're in? Yeah. And like that's where my brain went. But then when we started, like when everyone in the film started dying, you came back to the watching right, the movie, right. and I'm like looking away. Right. And, like, I'm starting to cry, and I'm getting physically ill, Mm -hmm. because it's, like, they're, like, sex outside of marriage and before marriage and in sin will mar a person. Yeah. But once they're dead, they're dead. Yeah. Yeah. You can always come back from having sex outside of marriage and find your way to the Lord, but once you're gone, you're gone. Right. And so when they started dying in the film, that's when I started being like, (sighs) yeah, man. And that's that's what led your heart in a direction that was going to be sinful. And it's not even the same kind of sin as right. like sexual immorality. I think the Bible talks pretty closely mm-hmm. about that. That there are that sin is will lead in a different that direction. Sin of, of despair, yeah. of like, God, you are far from me. You why have you left me when he has always said throughout scripture, I will not leave you, I will not forsake you. Yeah. But that temptation that Satan puts in front of me to despair of like, well, God has left these people. Yeah. God has left you. Yeah. And that's where, that's where it exists for me. Yeah. Um, but as I, and then as I turn to scripture to seek violence, mm. to seek what scripture says about violence outside of the genocides of the Old Testament and outside of the martyrdoms of the New Testament. Yeah. Um, I, I was struck by Psalm 11.5 that the Lord tests the righteous, but his soul hates the wicked and the one who loves violence. Mm. Um, and then Matthew 26, 52 to 54 says, Then Jesus said to him, Put your sword back into its place, for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Mm-hmm. Do you think that I cannot appeal to my Father, and he will at once send me more than twelve legions of angels? But how then should the scriptures be fulfilled that it must be so? Yeah. Isaiah 60, verse 18, Violence shall no more be heard in your land, devastation or destruction within your borders. You shall call... Call your wall salvation and your gates praise. Mm-hmm. Proverbs 3.31, do not envy a man of violence and do not choose any of his ways. And I'm just struck by like, oh, Titus 3.2, I forgot Titus 3.2. Um, oh, that's a good one. To yeah. speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. Yeah. And both sex and violence are within that. Yeah, yeah. But... I think that Christians tend to, and I tend to think that society is desensitized to sex and sexuality. But I've, through research and through as I've really prayed and looked through this, I think that the church is desensitized to its own violence. Oh, totally. Yeah. 
And that, to me, is dangerous. Yeah. That the church is desensitized to violence. Not everyone in the church, not every church, from my personal experience, I have found church being, in the West, being desensitized to violence. Yeah. Yeah. And it's... And being so hypersensitive to sex that it's not mentioned. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's, you, it's literally the two opposite ends of the spectrum. Yeah. Um, and that's why this conversation is happening, mm-hmm. is because one, neither of them are talked about enough, but um, it's, the thing is, we look at media, we look mm-hmm. at the news, we look at um, whatever whatever is filling our minds, What it could be social media or whatever it is, and most of it, it ends up being some sort of violence. And I think the fact that we have been so desensitized to it, it might not cause us to sin for some of us any longer, but then, it, like you're saying, it begs the question of, like, do we understand the gravity of what is actually happening anymore? Right. Because I want to just throw this out there real quick. Suzanne Collins, the author mm-hmm. of The Hunger Games, yep. said that she came up with the idea for The Hunger Games uh-huh. by flipping through television and flipping back and forth between Survivor and like reality TV and the news on the Iraq War. Yeah. And then from that, if you know anything about The Hunger Games, The Hunger Games was born. And The Hunger Games is about children being forced to go into a basically a Thunderdome and fight to the death. Yeah. Right. Because all she did was flip back and forth between the news and Survivor. Right. And we have an obsession with watching people in peril. Right. I think that's why Fear Factor existed. Yeah. This is why you have to go see Jojo Rabbit this weekend. <laughs> like, in all seriousness, like he, the, our minds are so filled by what the world tells us around us, what is right. We have to see what is true and what is right through God's word. That is ultimate truth. And go see Jojo Rabbit yeah. because it will help. And it even, it even harkens back yeah. to our discussion of arrival in, yeah. in the Sapir Wharf hypothesis of like the language that you will immerse yourself in becomes what you speak and how you perceive the world a bit. Yeah. And so the language of God, the language of scripture, we, we've had that discussion. If you want to hear more about that, yeah. go back to our arrival discussion. But, Please do. I mean... I don't know if we have any concrete answers for you guys here, but like, yeah. I think it's a discussion worth continuing to have. Please yeah. tell us if you have any ideas, yeah. whatever, however, whether it's social media, social media, or if you know us in person, because mm-hmm. I honestly want to keep having yeah. this discussion. What else? Like, do you have anything else you wanted to bring to the table? Um, I don't think so. This one might be a quick, quicker answer, but it's. I, I just kept popping up as like, is there a distinction between offensiveness and something causing you to sin? What do you mean? Like we talk about how like we're so sensitive to like sex and violence or, and we could, we're not sensitive enough to violence, but is there a distinction between um, that and, and sinning in viewing those different things? I still don't fully understand your question. Maybe I don't either. I think it's like we talk so much about being offended by sex on screen. Mm-hmm. Is that the same thing as is that offense the same thing as being caused to sin by seeing that sex on screen? So you could ask the same thing with violence. Right, right. Is it the same like I don't know. I'm curious. I'm not I'm not sure. I'd have to look into that. Cuz I l- tried to look into it. I tried googling stuff. I tried looking at definitions of like of like what um, being offended by something means, and I could not find anything. <laughs> Can't find a and, definition of anything in twenty nineteen. I know, I know. Um, hashtag postmodernism. But um, is 
I think that's just something that I want to put out there. And if mm-hmm. we don't have answers right now, my most my biggest conclusion from that was mm-hmm. it's ba- it it kind of is the same thing. And the reason I brought that up is because I discussed this topic with somebody earlier this week, mm-hmm. and they like brought up like oh like I can't watch this stuff because I get it like offends me like mm-hmm. it. I'm like well does offending mean it like it gets you frustrated like it it like or like, like it's an insult to you it. yeah like what mm-hmm. does that mean. Or is it, are you saying it offends you because it causes you to sin? Mm. And I want to know what that means because I don't know. Well, I think, to throw out an example that I've thrown out, like, I can't watch Captain America Civil War. Right. Because it makes me angry. Yeah. Because I just so wholeheartedly disagree with Steve Rogers. Right. Just so wholeheartedly do. Yeah. And so I don't watch that film because... It just makes me un- unrighteously angry. Yeah. So would you say then you're offended by that? Yeah, I'm offended by Steve Rogers. Okay. But it also causes you to sin in the sense of anger. In the sense of anger, yeah. Okay, interesting. And so I think, I don't know if it's possible to separate the two. Yeah. Because, I mean, in your anger, do not sin. Right. But also, like, if something, you know, offends you, look away. Right. You know, it's better for you, even though Jesus is speaking hyperbolic in this, like, it's better for you to pluck out your eye. Yeah. Or to chop off your foot. That's right, right. You know, or to cut off your hand or your arm. Yeah. But if I'm offended by something, I'm I'm not going to watch it, but I'm going to, but me personally, I'm going to be like, okay, why was I offended by that? Right. What in me, because I'm, I'm a believer that what is inside of me was already there. Like if you offended me and said something that made me angry, that anger was already there. You didn't put that anger inside of me because I'm a grown man and I'm right. in control and should be in control of what my emotions are. Yeah. If I'm watching a film and it brings out a sin issue in me or a sin struggle in me, that issue was already there. Yes. That film did not put it there. Right. Yep. Um, because sin is innate into every single human. Yeah. You know, so if like my struggle and my temptation to despair is brought out, the film didn't, the film brought it out, the film didn't put, put it Put it in, right. And I let it bring it out of me yeah, yeah. as well. Interesting. Mm-hmm. That's something I'm going to have to look into and I'd like to hear more feedback from listeners or other people as well about yeah. that. So, um, but I don't have anything else in regards to this I don't either. I just want to say, um, uh, you know, if you are smarter and wiser and have d- degrees that we don't in theology and somehow you stumbled across this little podcast, write a dang book. Yeah, please. Please. <laughs> um, or like, if you're a pastor listening to this, preach a dang sermon. Yeah. Um, you know, or like churches that might listen to this, let's like, let's create classes on sex and sexuality not be, not as a reaction to culture, but as a response to a lack of education. Yeah, yeah. And uh, there's one more verse that I had that kind of has spoken hope into my life mm-hmm. as, I, as I have kind of gone through this. Yeah. It's 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Mm. No temptation has overtaken you that is mm-hmm. not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. So that temptation is going to be there. You're going to be tempted. There and it's it's not like God is going to take the temptation away from you, mm-hmm. but seek first God in that temptation. Seek yeah. first Him, whatever that temptation is, whether it's with sex or it's some sort of uh-huh. temptation to sin that comes out of viewing violence. Right, right. and that just brings to my mind Hebrews four fourteen mm-hmm. to sixteen. Therefore, since we have a great High Priest. Who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest 
who is unable to empathize with our weakness. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Amen. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Yeah. And so that's what I've started really doing as, I, as in the past few years when I've realized this temptation to despair in myself is that I need to take that to the throne hmm. and bathe myself in the scriptures of like, just, I will not leave you, I will not forsake you, I will not leave you, I will not forsake you, I will not leave you, I will not forsake you. Right. But also, understanding that the way that I am being tempted is valid. Yeah. Because Jesus was tempted in every way. Yeah. It just so happens that my temptation is not as placated or as loud as as the temptation to lust or the temptation right. to sin sexually. Yeah. But yeah, it's still, yeah, 100%. So all of that to say, guys, like we want to continue this discussion. Uh, I hope you didn't come to this episode looking for cut, clear answers. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, I don't think Alex and I are, are educated enough oh my to gosh, no. give you those clear cut oh answers. My, yeah, please don't. Um, but I believe, I fully believe that we were following the, the prodding of the Holy Spirit to have this discussion. Yeah. Um, and... All week I've been praying for bravery yep. to continue to have this discussion and to finish it and have it well and well thought out. Totally. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you okay, buddy? All right? You look like you were joking yourself. <laughs> Jeez. All right. Thanks, guys, for... <laughs> Thank you, guys, for uh, engaging with us on this topic. And again, if you have um, ideas, philosophies, outlooks on this topic... Uh, please tweet them to us at the Critical Millennial, yep. uh, or just DM us on, on Instagram. Yes, please. We have nine voice messages from one of Alex's friends from school <laughs> on some theory on Interstellar and Batman and how Batman's <laughs> involved in Interstellar. I have no idea, but we love the engagement that we are getting on Twitter and on Instagram. Yes. Keep it up. Uh, just search for the Critical Millennial. Purple and yellow X Ooh. is the spot for the critical hits. Yes. And, uh, you know, and we're working on a Patreon. We're doing research on Patreon. We're, we're, making, see, we're making progress. We're making progress. We're just trying to see if it's the most wise decision for yes. us. Um, so for you people who are listening to Apple Podcast. Sorry. Sorry. We're getting back. We'll get back there. Um, and also for you guys, just a heads up, as the holiday season uh, kicks into high gear, um, Alex is also kicking into high gear with um, writing longer papers because he's pursuing his master's degree right now. He's mm-hmm. still in school. Yep. So he's pursuing his master's degree in, in biblical theology. So he's writing a big papers. He's studying a lot more. And with the holiday season coming, I'm taking on more hours at, at Starbucks. Mm-hmm. So our schedules have become quite full. So we're going to move to an every other week uh, just for now. Yeah. And, and with the intentions of getting back into around mid-January, getting back into an every week flow because january is a dumping ground for terrible films <laughs> yes honestly it's terrible yeah but also january is the month when all those movies that win all the oscars that That's were in true. films in, in movie theaters for two weeks get released on a wide global scale that is so we true and then see both the turds that cinema has offered us <laughs> as well as the polished turds that cinema <laughs> has <offered> us. <laughs> all right you guys like I said, be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Woo-hoo. We'll see you around, you little crits. Bye.
Oh my gosh, the critical millennial.